Pinkies for when. Boo doo doo, boo doo doo, boo doo doo, doo doo. Monkeys. Monkeys for when. Welcome, everyone, to the show where we forget all of our own gimmicks and then we ruin our goodwill by doing an episode about monkeys. Now, before we get started, we have some housekeeping this week. Yes. First and foremost, last week we forgot to do our own gimmick. Greg, what's the best movie for when you want to get all meta? Uh, I forgot to pick one, so we forgot it a third time. Damn it, Greg. <laughs> I was I was supposed to uh, record myself while I was editing, and then I forgot to do that even. So we forgot twice, and this is the third time. What's the mo- what's the best movie for for when you for when you want to get all meta, Denny? I'll keep it brief because this is old news, but uh, I'm going to go with my own pick, The Last Action Hero, based off this simple principle. Adaptation was too meta. The Lego movie wasn't meta enough. So when you want to get all meta, I think The Last Action Hero is just right. Perfect. And that's why it's the best. I love it. Ahead of its time, great pick. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, now for this we week. Also, we have a scandal we need to get ahead of. Yes. We have called this episode movies for when you want to see a monkey and for the semantically minded and for jane goodall who listens every week um it's important to acknowledge that if you watch any of these movies you will never see a monkey you will see apes because we have what do we call uh, a turtle tortoise situation on our hands where monkeys have tails and apes do not the movies we're going to discuss, one features a chimpanzee, who is not a monkey, it's an ape, mm-hmm. and two of them feature orangutans. Orangutan? I always say tang because of the orange juice thing. Yeah, um, that's pretty common, but, I think. Yeah, but it, it just ends with an N. Um, they are also apes, so I want to get ahead of this scandal right now and tell you what movie you should watch if you want to be sure, 100% positive, that you're seeing a monkey. And that movie is... Monkey Trouble, starring Harvey Keitel, which I have not watched since childhood, but definitely uh, discovered in this process, and I want to see it again. Um, And I think that the fact that Harvey Keitel is in Monkey Trouble is proof that you ain't nobody in this town until you've done a monkey picture. That's That's how you know you've made it. (laughs) He had to do it. Hell yeah, man. Uh, Yeah, thank you for... uh to joseph canerad for pointing that out speaking of joseph canerad new newly appointed friend of the show if you're noticing some new artwork on this week's episode it's because he graciously made some artwork for us sent it to us uh he gave us a few options and what we landed on was denny and i's favorite and vanessa's favorite also my girlfriend's favorite so professional artwork instead of my uh little two minute ms paint session Look at us. It. It, it had personality. It had yeah. charm. Yeah. But also... But I, I like I like Joseph's work better. But yeah, <laughs> but at the same time, <laughs> it needs to be real. So thank you, thank you, Joseph. Welcome to the friend of the show, Pantheon. We salute you. Uh, speaking of friends of the show, uh, friend of the show, Will Reno, told me that an episode like this only works if we go all in. And I think you and I both have more notes for MVP than we have had for any movie so far. Listen. I think it's safe to say that we're going all in, brother. We're going all in. 
because I, go ahead i have a i basically just have different uh google docs opened up i have one file for each show and my notes for the first three episodes were about a page long maybe a page plus a couple of extra lines my notes for mvp take up an entire page by themselves <laughs> i don't know what it is but we'll get Man, to it mine are in my notes app and i think for mvp dude i just keep scrolling <laughs> i just keep scrolling and i keep scrolling and i think it might be like more notes for one movie than i've made for all three put together in previous episodes <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we've done the same thing but before we go on uh we've introduced the category movies for when you want to see a monkey with a huge asterisk over that part but <laughs> our movies this week uh we already introed one it's my pick as mvp most valuable primate a 2000 movie about a chimpanzee playing hockey we've got denny's pick dunston checks in uh about an orangutan just causing chaos in a hotel boy and then he. boy does he and then every which way but loose which was uh who sent this to us denny friend of the show matt lancaster and notable monkey movie enthusiast he led us astray as no monkeys here but every he which is... way but loose 1978's clean these would feature um that i had as i said last week i'd seen the poster for but never actually seen until until now mm-hmm. yep We'll get into that. Yep. Um, I wanted to, instead of just doing the boilerplate notes app, screenshotted Twitter apology to monkeys, Mm -hmm. that everyone's just, you know, we've seen it before. We don't buy it. When are you going to do right by monkeys? We want to see that you've done something. Too many celebrities have just half-assed it and don't feel genuine when they apologize to monkeys. So yeah, go ahead, Denny. Well, I thought we could extend an olive branch. and Why not a banana? Week, we'll extend a banana tree limb <laughs> to monkeys everywhere. And I was thinking for our next episode, we could let a monkey pick the third movie. We did. <laughs> well, I, that was my original idea, but uh, no one has a monkey. I really? asked around. No one has an accessible monkey, so we did a fan vote <laughs> instead. But based on these three movies, I thought getting a monkey or a primate was a super easy and common thing to do. <laughs> You'd be surprised how often if you just wait around long enough, the the, the primate will come to you. <laughs> Chipped directly through Amazon Primate. <laughs> show's over all right (laughs) my friend asked me how i was watching mvp and i said amazon primate and it got no reaction so i'm glad you laughed because i was really pleased with myself you should be you should be very proud um yeah we'll we'll talk about next week's episode after we go over these three movies but yeah give us give us some love on facebook and twitter we'll plug those at the end of the show as well we had a poll to select our third movie, and we'll talk about it next. Uh, Denny, are you ready to get into MVP, colon, Most Valuable Primate? Let me take a swig of an anonymous seltzer that will not be named until they pay us. Because um, we don't even say their name without being paid money for it. But uh, 
Let's just say it ain't White Claw, brother. That's Let's right. just say it's a little bit better and we're big fans. And we always have it running through our veins when we're podcasting. And uh, if it is, uh, you know, if they wanted to sponsor us, I might just be a Topo Frico about it. You know, like I, I might go crazy. I don't want to name them because you got to pay us no. money for that. Yeah. But uh, let me take a swig. Extremely subtle. So now you're ready. You've had your your swig of anonymous <laughs> hard seltzer. Wait, do you feel that? What? what? Was that a was that a banana flavored seltzer? Because I'm feeling something coming over me. Such a thing exists, Danny. I'm ready to get up to some monkey business. Oh my gosh! All right, MVP: colon, Most Valuable Primate. This is a movie about a chimpanzee who, I guess attends college works at a college is owned by a college who mistakenly takes a train all the way to british columbia winds up in a winter wonderland known as canada and plays hockey with a california high schooler eventually (laughs) i'm glad you got to that early there's a lot of not monkeys playing hockey in this movie extremely upsetting uh, in the middle of my notes, I have the note, the monkey doesn't play hockey until the 54-minute mark. The fuck are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> and somehow, it is not the worst movie we watched this week. <laughs> <laughs> this um, wasn't This wasn't even, like, a really bad movie. Um, no. It was just, there was just so much going on and so much to talk about. <laughs> so, so much to talk about, and we're going to talk about all of it. Oh, we're going to try, man. Uh, remember, like, last week and you said it took you about 45 minutes to have any notes for Last Action Hero? Well, that was critiques. I had Oh, notes, okay, okay. But that was uh, notes in the, uh, I like, you just did your performance, here's my notes. Okay. I made notes, but I didn't have anything wrong with it. Until made, like making minutes. notes and having notes are different things. But yeah, it yes. took me two seconds to pause and put down, quote, vigorously research whatever the hell Airbud Entertainment is and what happened to it. <laughs> That's my first note! Yeah, we're on the same note. page. <laughs> <laughs> because this whole time I've thought, like, I remember seeing this. This is my first time watching it. This is a beloved childhood movie for you, right? Uh, No, I'll get into that, though. Oh, okay. Um, this is a beloved adulthood movie for you? We'll get into that. Please go ahead. <laughs> I remember seeing this movie playing when I was in, like, fifth grade. And I, like, scoffed at it. And I went, what an Airbud ripoff. <laughs> Clearly someone's trying to cash in on the craze. Losers. Guess and who? <laughs> I never took it seriously. And so that opening graphic blew my mind. I was like, it's not a ripoff. It's a spin-off. It's not even a spin-off. It's just an officially canon contribution to the extended Airbud universe. Uh, the fact that there's an Airbud universe is extremely crazy. But yeah, I, I looked up this company. I didn't see when they were founded, but I believe the first Airbud and a couple of the, like, whatever, the volleyball or soccer one, whatever, baseball, badminton... <laughs> uh curling uh, curling movies i believe those were done by disney and then airbud entertainment spawned out of that and they're still going there because they don't always partner with disney they also partner with netflix for air buddies to 20,000 leagues under the sea 
which I assume is coming next fall. I don't know. <laughs> Have you ever seen Space Buddies? Uh, I saw like five minutes of it, and I was like, "Whoo!" Like even watching this sarcastically, like, "Ha ha! I can't get through this." They meet an alcoholic cosmonaut stranded in space. I'll give it another shot. Coolest shit I've seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I know their names, like B Dog. That guy's crazy. Mudbud, always in the mud. The classic Mudbud, up to and, his usual tricks. It's still definitely your bud. All right, we're here to talk about one movie, Denny. All right, Airbud Entertainment. It's still around. I looked at their LinkedIn page. Super happy for all those people. Um, Denny, next note. Go ahead. Uh, my next note was over the next graphic that aired on the screen, which was <laughs> in italics. A Robert Vince film. Now. <laughs> I, I love it when directors do this, man. I love it when they do it for MVP. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to see no directed by Robert Vince, all right? No. This is a Robert Vince film. And I'm going to put it on a title card in front of a black screen. And that's my name is going on this. And the audience is going to know that this is my art. I'll be the next Zemeckis. <laughs> He's probably a super nice guy. Probably had a lot of fun making this movie, etc. But come on. Um... Maybe it was his first movie. You want to put, a, put his name out there. Sure. Uh, I looked up his IMDb. It was also one of his last movies. So. <laughs> <laughs> There's a well, reason you haven't seen a Robert Vince film in front of a lot of movies. It's like it's like Kubrick, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, They're basically yeah. the same guy. There's not a lot of Kubrick films, but like that rarity just makes you appreciate the art that he has put out. Mm -hmm. So This is going to blow your mind because right. no one can explain it. Robert Vince actually died three days before submitting the final cut of MVP to Airbud Entertainment. Well, now I feel bad. That's not true. That's an eyes wide shut thing with Kubrick. I didn't see that one, man. Oh, he actually like Dang Kubrick it. did die like I'm days on a roller after he finished Eyes Wide Shut and submitted it. Okay, I was on a roller coaster there, man. <laughs> oh, on. no, I was trying to make a deep cut reference. <laughs> somebody laughed and somebody thinks I'm an idiot. It's 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 cool. <laughs> well, I laughed and I think you're smart, Greg. Oh, um, this movie was a first for me in many ways, um, in the sense that it was the first movie I decided that I would rather watch free with ads on the Roku channel instead of pay $3.99 to Amazon Prime. Yeah. Um, and then there were no ads, which means one of two things. I either lucked out and there was a glitch or no one wanted to sponsor this movie. <laughs> I was about to say, either, I think they forgot. However, <laughs> when I paused it one time, it did say this viewing was brought to me by ExxonMobil. <laughs> Thanks, ExxonMobil. <laughs> Thanks for MVP, guys. The Amazon's on fire. Things, but this kind of, you know, evens it up. The um, ocean's on fire. I don't know if that woo! was you guys or not. You know what else is on fire? The audience. The ice. Oh, the, the ice. audience. <laughs> ice is on fire. Damn it. Because uh, he's so hot at hockey. I, I'm just, I'm amazed that they got modern day Cole Caulfield to do the parts where the monkey is obviously filmed from behind playing real hockey. <laughs> yeah. That's a joke for one person. I don't know who it is, and I laughed. I just laughed at the part of the memories of the monkey film from behind playing real hockey. You're like, is that a child or a, a little person? 
don't know. I don't know. But he's good at hockey. Um, <laughs> it's Cole Caulfield. That's who it is. Greg, I've got a I've got a hard hitting question for you. Hit me hard. Can vegans ethically watch this movie? Oh, I don't know. If animal byproducts aren't okay, I've got to think they would need to take a stand against chimpanzee exploitation. Um, I don't know if they mean media byproducts, but maybe. I feel like it's less exploitative than... Well, I don't know. Nope. Elaborate. <laughs> I'm just saying, maybe we need to um do an alternate episode that is friendly to people who have moral persuasions uh of, of the vegan nature is all i'm saying what's on the vegan menu greg least valuable primate <laughs> all primates are equally valuable where does it end <laughs> uh, just, just some thoughts just yeah. some thoughts i had while watching this movie that and eat your heart out jane goodall she hasn't done anything as impressive as teach a monkey to play hockey that's true dude or or just like do a dumb comedy shtick in front of a college audience. One of my notes is is this a college class or a comedy routine? <laughs> Cuz he he the professor spoilers who dies later. The Whoa. Prof, the professor is just like, "Now Jack, you can't be fooling around like that." And I'm like, "These guys are just doing like a bit. Like this isn't this isn't a real class." See, I first of all, I did make a note that I wish I could have majored in monkey studies, <laughs> like you could apparently do at this university. Um, I also made a note that that scene, the demo scene, really reminded me of Clockwork Orange. While we're on uh, the Kubert note, keep going. Uh, I, well, you know, the point of a Clockwork Orange is to say, to an expect a human to follow the routines that we follow is so inhumane that it's like picking an orange off a tree and finding a working clock inside of it. It just, life doesn't work mechanistically. And I just really related to the way that like, Jack is tortured. Jack the chimpanzee is tortured by these inhumane, systematic conditions he is subjected to. And I really respected his active rebellion publicly against Dr. Kendall. Um, and he said, this is wrong and these students need to know it's wrong and i'm gonna do that by adding poorly and laughing in your face this is a form of protest was it <laughs> i'm starting to think Greg, he didn't suffer a heart attack you uh i feel like you kind of uh kind of gave a hint earlier about some backstory to you in this movie yeah, man. Um, I don't know when I watched this. It must have been like... I didn't see it... Okay. I Did it come out in theaters? I didn't look, but... It did. I have distinct remember remembrances. I have distinct memories of seeing this movie playing in theaters and scoffing. And okay. Just like, oh, uh, get I, an original idea. I'm 11. I'm too good for this. Wow, yeah, dude. Then You're I cool. Yeah, movie review podcast. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> no, I... Now, I think I may have seen this at, like, a friend's house or something, because there's one thing I remember. It's one of the early scenes, and it's something that I really hate in movies. Um, a plot device based on simple miscommunications stress me out so much. <laughs> the 
this isn't like a huge plot device, but it reminds me of other movies that do the same thing of the deaf girl thinking she's not invited to the other her classmate's birthday party but yeah you know she's deaf and then this girl is like everyone's invited and she's just like throwing invitations around the room like an idiot and like <laughs> drops hers the drops the deaf girl's invitation so she thinks she's not invited and thinks like all of her classmates don't like her and it's an emotional thing for her and i'm just like it's just a simple miscommunication and stuff like that sticks with me and stresses me out because i remembered that scene but i did not remember that it happened in this movie (laughs) so this was like a aha for you when you watch it it was this movie it's exactly right because every like two or three years like I would just like randomly recall the scene in some movie I saw in my youth of this poor deaf girl getting mistreated, but it was actually just like a miscommunication. I'm like, oh, that's so annoying. That's so dumb. That's so stressful. What movie was that? Anyways. And, <laughs> and then I saw it again. I had a very, a very different reaction that like her crying in the bed after that actually hit me pretty hard. I was yeah. like, damn. It's like the one moment in this movie that felt like sincere and genuine to me. And I was like, I'm in my, I'm in my emotions over this, this poor girl who's being ostracized due to her disability. I would feel the same way if I could possibly get over the fact that it was based on just like a little miscommunication. It was just like, oh no, it was just, it was just like a thing over there. Like the, well, yeah, the invitation's also, over there. She's crazy good at reading lips too. Yeah. Right? Like, shouldn't she have, like, seen that? No, she was already, like, walking out the door feeling rejected. Oh. And so she turned around, and then the girl was like, everyone's invited. That was <laughs> Do a great you impression, know by the way. What's up? I don't think I was paying close enough attention, and I legitimately thought she wasn't invited to the party until now. Oh, no. I. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're blowing my mind right now. Yeah, there was a, there was a shot of, like, a, a card, an envelope with Tara's name on it. Oh, I didn't even that, notice like, that. That like it hits the floor and it was, I think I was, it was supposed uh, to be for her. I think I was getting stuff in and out of the microwave at this point in the movie, so I, I must have missed that. <laughs> I, I'm remembering it now. Um, like yeah. it was yesterday. Oh, what was it? It was chicken. Uh, <laughs> I actually don't remember. Oh, no, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was leftovers from, uh, from Stir Fry I ate a couple days before. Very nice. Very, <laughs> yeah. very nice. To our listeners, man, this is the worst episode we've ever done. No, we're we're like twenty minutes in. We're solid. <laughs> we got we got, um, a, we got also a lot to make up. What's your what's your next note, man? Uh, well, speaking of time codes, uh, <laughs> I, I wrote that I made it nine minutes and forty two seconds before the novelty wore off. Cut the emotional stuff and put this monkey on the ice. Man, I was. It didn't have a lot of buy-in from me. I hope you were um, ready to wait 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, who was the nameless janitor? Did he have a name? Darren. Jack's friend? What? Darren. Darren. Dude. He is to Jack what Rob Lowe was to James Spader. Ooh. Yeah. Dude, I... A bad influence. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. All right. Look, before you, before you say more, because I made this mistake too, 
Um, I had notes about Darren, um, specifically about the performance. But then I look, I looked up, I did some research, and I found out that the character is actually mentally handicapped. Oh, that yeah. was not clearly. No, it expressed. wasn't. I had to Google it. I thought he was just doing like. Ooh. I had no. <laughs> I had a line about a uh, Crispin Glover impression, but it was actually a menti- mentally handicapped character, and Ooh. I felt like such a villain until the actual villain of the movie went up to him and started yelling at him and being mean, and I was like, I'm not such a bad guy. Okay, yeah, I did not pick that up at all. I just thought he was doing kind of like a, like a kind of retro oddball comedy shtick. That is very tasteless and is probably the worst portrayal of someone with intellectual developmental disabilities I have seen since The Fanatic. John Travolta. Oh man, this is hitting me real different now. I've got sorry, bud. Man, I I had to break it to you before you said more. Oh, thank you for that. That's why one of my notes you were saying about the Terra having been rejected was like one of your tearjerker moments. Yeah. Um, spoilers again. At the very end. Uh, Darren the janitor reunites with Jack the chimp in a nature preserve and I said that was my legit like heartwarming moment I thought that was really nice I was like oh yeah they're back together that's cool that is cool that's cool that explains so much because I was like why do people keep putting monkeys on vehicles and hoping for the best (laughs) like (laughs) If they were going for this guy's actually disabled and maybe he thinks it'll work out, that was not clearly communicated. I feel weird about the whole reaction now, to be honest. But yeah. um, I was just like, that's your plan? That's your plan is to just put a monkey on a train and hope he figures it out? But... He didn't. He blew it. Yeah. And that's when... So this movie, what I love about this movie is that Jack is the protagonist. Yeah. Like, they actually... He's not like the... He's not the supporting character. He is like Joseph Campbell's archetypal hero in this movie who goes into a special world and wants to get back to his known world. But first he must adapt and overcome challenges and come to terms with what holds ultimate power in his life. And, you know, that was a moment that really lost me in relating to our protagonist that he just slept through his stop because he's a screw up. How am I supposed to root for this guy? (laughs) How am I supposed to root for this guy? He failed. Okay. He failed. Where where was this college again? Oh, somewhere not in El Simeon. I'll tell you that Dude, much right how, now. What? I want to see the train route that goes from wherever this college is to El Simeon or whatever. A literal monkey preserve that has its own train station. Jurassic Park looking ass area. And then up to... British Columbia, Canada? (laughs) Well, it's funny because I saw the train and I saw that it said it was like a Canada Express. Like it said that on the side of the train. Yeah. And I was like, oh, they just showed their hand that they shot in Canada, but this isn't set in Canada. That's pretty lazy. And then then I was like, no, they were trying to actually show us that this train's going to Canada. (laughs) It would have made more sense, right? To like have them go on the wrong train. 
<sighs> like, oh, I meant to go to the nature reserve train or whatever. <laughs> Instead, I got in the Canada Express. Yeah, but then, like a loser, he just slept through it. Well, he's, like... in, a, he's in a dark duffel bag. It's a long. It's it's it, Well, it's got to be like a sixty-hour trip. So he fell asleep at some point, right? Yeah, going but to like... from college to South America to Canada is a long journey. But can you imagine Lord of the Rings if Frodo <laughs> forgot to go to Rivendell because he was napping? Would you still cheer for Frodo? If it got him somewhere cool to play hockey, yeah. Well, that is something I would watch. You're right. <laughs> I actually redact my previous claim um, that sometimes it's about the journey, ladies and gentlemen. There you and go. <laughs> this is one of those times. And now, uh, hopefully this summer, now that COVID's uh, pretending to be over in Texas, we, uh, we'll get Lord of the Rings on ice touring again. And we'll get to see... Uh, Orcs versus Hobbits, uh, Harlem Globetrotter-style staged hockey games. I'm so excited for it. I would buy... Oh, I would see every showing of that. I might travel with them. I would be a roadie for that show. <laughs> On that note, those of you who don't know, um, Greg is a hockey fanatic. He, uh, he He's surrounded by hockey Funko Pops right now. Um and I had a question for you, Greg. What's up? Oh, is it about any of the rules of the game? Because I've got notes. <laughs> Greg, I'm so glad you have notes because my question for you <laughs> is two things. One is, to quote my favorite moment in every Airbud Air movie, <laughs> Right. is there anything in the rule book that says a monkey can't play hockey? I mean, <laughs> I have a copy of the NHL rule book right over there. I can go look. I don't know if there's anything that says non-humans can't play. But they broke a whole bunch of other rules that are... <laughs> that was my next question that said, was, um, what is your, that would never happen in real life, hockey moment in this movie? So my thinking is actually, there, there was a part that I actually was thinking about it. I was like, wow, there's really good attention to detail on the rules in this movie. Because, again, after the 54-minute mark, when the monkey finally starts playing hockey, he jumps on the ice over the glass, which is hilarious, scores a goal, and the ref waves off the goal, saying that he is an ineligible player. And I was like, cheers. I was like, thank goodness they got one thing right. You cannot have an unrostered player on your roster or coming in to play the game if you submit your rosters to the referees before the beginning of the game now they forgot that it, so he's so he's the ref said no goal ineligible player i was like wow that's a good attention to detail about that rule i think the ref was actually like ineligible player he's a chimpanzee because <laughs> <laughs> later in the well, movie it didn't affect the climax of the movie it it oh, wait Wait, how do you mean? That they they sub out the chimpanzee for the girl, um, well, and she, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. She wins the game for them, which first of all it seemed like a real shoehorned payoff for her. It seemed like they kind of forgot about her. Um, and her like, goal oh, was never to play something. hockey. Yeah, and then they uh, then they just completely uh, just were fine with this child who is not on the roster sneaking into the game and scoring a game winning goal. 
it's not only that there it actually happens twice because in that finale the the captain of the team that's like injured uh he comes in once uh the main character the older brother the star player once he like makes his exit with jack the injured player jumps in to take his place you can't do that you you can't he's not on the submitted roster especially in a championship game championship championship game you mean championship coach that was a good joke i'm not gonna lie (laughs) so uh, complete disregard for the rules there's another shot where uh the main character skates into the offensive zone with four players already crowding the net that is the most blatant offside miss call that i've ever seen in my life um get get me off track denny please all right i got i'm gonna get derail me derail me please blue from old school was in this movie yeah (laughs) that was pretty cool that was cool i liked his character there are lots of Dutch angles, which I thought was super artsy. <laughs> They're always <laughs> shooting like the the evil bad guys talking from a Dutch angle. Um, but this is what's really cool. Dr. Kendall's real name is revealed to be Lomax Study, which is an anagram for monkey scientist. Yeah. I didn't know that some real it's not greg <laughs> i don't i don't i just i trust you blindly you know that <laughs> i was doing a bit stop doing bits when i'm so trusting of you oh uh, well you want a hot take this? oh yeah you go first and then... oh i don't have any hot takes on this. you you go first with your next note and i have a hot take after all right um mine's a little bit of a hot take because i think we need to submit it to a discussion that everybody's tired of spicy technically it's a christmas movie that's right folks you heard it here first mvp most valuable primate has multiple shots of christmas decorations put it up there when you need something to say other than die hard allow me to remind you that not only is mvp most valuable primate a christmas movie but so is batman returns you can add that to the family watch list and to the obnoxious, awkward work conversations discussion list. Dude. The freaking Die Hard is a Christmas movie meme has been dead for three years. Yeah. Stop it! So we gotta find more. Yeah. We need to help these people. Which, like, how is that ever even a debate anyway? Die Hard is very obviously a Christmas movie. Did you know Die Hard's a Christmas movie? Nobody cares. It didn't, it never mattered. I'm sorry. Well, see, actually, this is my point, is, like, so technically in this movie, like, there's a couple shots of Christmas decorations, but it has nothing to do with Christmas. Mm-hmm. In Die Hard, like, the catalyst of the plot is that he's coming home for Christmas. Like, that is just, like, so obviously a Christmas movie that, like, how are people talking about it? Yeah. Like, it's, like, it's part of the major story beats is that it's Christmas. Also, Christmas kind of sucks anyway, so don't, you don't have to find a reason to watch die hard christmas I, sucks and die hard rules just watch it i disagree i love christmas yeah well everyone's got their own opinions let's move on be careful with opinions um <laughs> you had a hot take uh my hot take i know i just criticized the complete disregard for the rules and the uh laughing off concussions and the whole 
we're trying to make the spin around on your knees move a thing when it's not a thing. This movie, the scenes of the actual hockey games being played are more entertaining and more fun than the hockey scenes in the Mighty Ducks. Ooh! Ooh! This guy just did it. I did I had many Mighty Ducks thoughts during this movie. I haven't seen it more recently enough to really compare, but I was like, man, these guys are like literally living the Mighty Ducks life except instead of Emilio Estevez complying with the court order because of his uh, risk-taking behavior while drinking, mm-hmm. they're just getting a monkey, which like seems a lot better. Cool. That sounds um, cooler. <laughs> which also, I've coined a term that I think we need to start using on this show and in this episode. It's what I call the deus ex monkeyna. <laughs> <laughs> How many problems do you think could be solved by having a monkey friend? We already know of two. Not having any friends and sucking at hockey. Mm-hmm. Deus ex monkeyna. I'm going to start prescribing my clients monkeys because it seemed to do wonders for everyone's mental health in this movie. Like everyone is better off because of this monkey. It's not only this movie too. They're, it's it's incredible. I, mm-hmm. I, I like it. Deus ex monkeyna. Deus ex monkeyna, ladies and gentlemen. Put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> um, Greg, did you notice that this movie has the exact same plot of season one of Stranger Things. <laughs> Listen. An escaped science experiment is hiding in the house of a reject while the white coats hunt him down. The only difference is that Jack is more powerful and valuable than Eleven could ever conceive of being. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. he's He naturally hangs out upside down, so he's already got one leg up on her. Wow. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> And he has a name. Yeah. Eleven doesn't have a name. She has a number. What a loser. What a loser. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, He can pour his old bowl of cereal. He doesn't just rely on Eggos. What a guy. What a guy. He was not great at pouring the cereal, but he tried. Yeah, he's a chimp. I, I gotta say, man, like, the... The thing in movies of, like... An animal is doing a human thing. That's the joke. Is one of my least favorite jokes. Oh, really? I'll watch it forever. I'll like, watch it forever, man. It, I'm not gonna lie; it grew on me in this in this movie. But like, like he's he's just doing normal people stuff. He's brushing his teeth, like in the very beginning. And I'm just like, okay. All I Dude. all I see when I see that all I see is like an animal trainer sat him down, walked him through the steps, and told him how to do those steps on camera. And then he did those things. He didn't really just, like, go through a normal human routine of making cereal because he likes to. I know that, but it, like, it takes me out of the movie a little bit. He's a professional. He is a professional. That's what took you out of the movie? Yeah, it's just That's like... You were immersed in this movie until he poured the cereal. No, no, no. I want not you to until... go on record and say No, 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 it. no. You no, were no. immersed in this movie until he poured the cereal. All the other... Out of the movie. All the other things he did, not just the cereal pouring. Really? Because, because I thought they didn't do enough monkeys doing people stuff bits. Not enough monkey business. Th- what? Not enough not monkey, monkey business. Not enough monkey business. Yeah. The cereal came kind of late in the game for me. It was kind of a Hail Mary, kind of a little uh, too little too late. We should have got right down to business with this. Everything comes too late in this movie. They're they're screwing around so much, man. (laughs) How 
long is this movie? Like ninety minutes, and they still they just take their sweet time with everything. They really do. It's... Which <laughs> one of my favorite parts was that <laughs> they actually put a lot of thought and detail and narrative into the backstory of how all of this came to be. Right? Mm -hmm. They really did. Like they fleshed out this world, this plot, what's going on. And yet they provided absolutely no explanation or context to why he's really, really good at hockey. <laughs> <laughs> because you, like, you know why? Nothing, nothing. You know why? Because why? in this 2000 movie, the year 2000 that this movie came out, it's he's so good at hockey because they had a 1991 montage sequence in there with the worst song I've ever heard. <laughs> It sounds like they like lost the rights to the real song and had to dub this over. It's so bad. The director's cousin knows a guy that can make like '90s montage music, and they hired him. And they're just like, "Well, we already paid him, so I guess we're using this song." They played it again in the credits, like it's the movie's thing. Uh... <laughs> Greg, what do you think this movie would have looked like in a post 9/11 world? On that note, <laughs> it was in the year 2000. <laughs> What do you think this would have looked like after America was shaken to its core and culture changed instantaneously? What is MVP in a post 9-11 world like? Don't ask me that, man. That's too heavy. I don't know. Hey guys, tweet us on Twitter your your pitches for uh, MVP 2020 in this jaded, cynical world we live in now. Um, do you remember how horny Jack was for those ice skates? Like, what a performance. The scene needed it. The entire plot hinged upon it. God, when he saw those ice, sta ice skates, he just wanted to have some, like monkey zoo sex with them like he was crazy about those ice skates <laughs> that's right um also since we're getting crass i did a random check-in that we made it 41 minutes without a throwing poop joke and i thought it was impressive we've been talking about that far we've been talking actually, about this movie for 41 minutes what what go ahead <laughs> they oh no we haven't been oh no, well we have we have been but throwing poop joke and actually, none of these three movies did a monkey throw their poop joke. I was really, really impressed. Like, yeah. they did not go for the low-hanging banana. They went for the high-hanging bananas. The banana at the top of the tree. I just keep segueing myself, and I'm about to do it again. Um, <laughs> I love how, it. Speaking of high-hanging at the top of the tree, how many vagabond monkeys over the years have shacked up in unattended tree houses? And do you think we should start leaving them in our yard like birdhouses just in case? Hey man, I, w I would welcome a chimp or orangutan or monkey in my backyard treehouse, I'm not going to lie. Sure. It'd be great. Maybe they can help me out with uh, getting out of a jam at school. I think we should do like a donate a treehouse to towns that have trains that also run to towns that do monkey research. Right. Um, we should have a charity, and that'll be our holiday charity drive, is hashtag tree houses for tree dwellers um oh, and <laughs> we're we're gonna we're gonna change the world with this and i want everyone clasping hands singing that montage song while we install our first tree house 
near the train station in Denton and lie and tell everyone that there's also monkey research going on uh, on UNT campus. Hands and monkey paws across America. I'm into it. Ooh, I'm down with that. Yeah, dude. So, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I wanted to dive into something real quick with you. Go for it. Um, I hate this villain. I really do. <laughs> he, it, it It's a thing of like 90s and 2000s movies where the villain just has to be the worst part of the movie. Yeah. And just del- his job is just to frown and deliver exposition. Like he... <laughs> He's the dean of something, like something about hepatitis. Like who? Who cares? It's just like, oh, okay, you're you're the ob- you're the ob- you're the objective, you're the object in the way of us having a fun monkey time. Yeah, but he. It, it, <sighs> but also the catalyst for it. Without him, there is no fun monkey time. Jack just does research. We gotta thank I, him. I guess, but like, if he just got on the train and went and played hockey, and then like the villain was never trying to get him back, the would the movie wouldn't be that different. I guess. The yeah, old, you're the, right. He the, did not need to come get him back. It didn't matter. Like, he just was a bad guy with like a weird henchman, and he just talked about stuff that nobody cared about. Yeah, he was really not even in the movie very much like you like forgot about him for like a full hour and then he shows up with a court order to give the monkey to him immediately and they're like well Um, guess we have to what really struck me about him was uh that first of all i think this movie weirdly belongs in the drama category like it's really not much of a comedy yes um they are always going for this heavy-handed like this monkey's helping us through real issues stuff and everything is played insanely straight, except for this cartoon character villain that they have. Um, You've they, done it, Denny. Like, he really is just like really out of place in the sense that like the monkey playing hockey is more grounded in realism than him just being a dean. Like he's this like evil faux transatlantic accent guy that's just going around being mean and evil. Um, and like literally looks like a villain for Bugs Bunny. And the rest of the movie is played very seriously. Like they really were, I think they were trying to get a Mighty Ducks out of this. Like, I don't think they wanted a, um, excuse the pun, slapstick comedy. Get it? Because the slap shot, they use sticks. I like um, it. I like it. I don't think they wanted that at all. They were really trying to go for like a heartwarming family classic. And then you have this like robin williams and flubber wannabe evil guy like he's so bad he's so so bad dude that that was one of my main points about the movie is we talked about the lego movie last episode of being like the perfect family film and Mm -hmm. the movie had a consistent tone and you're talking about a movie that appeals to all ages while having a consistent tone this movie is so inconsistent with tone and i think a lot of it is because of the villain Mm -hmm. it's like we got this skate montage for babies and then we got like this heavy handed drama with like the deaf girl making friends. Oscar bait. Oscar bait. Oscar bait. is Oscar bait with that stuff. But like every individual tone that this movie sets out to try to like nail down just feels so disjointed from all the other parts. Like none of it seems to gel together in any sensible way. Like, 
we gotta hit these beats for the little kids. We gotta hit these beats for the adults, and we're gonna do the hockey sports stuff for teens or whatever. No, yeah, we we've been tongue in cheek high on this movie, but let's just like part the veil of sarcasm and say like this is a disjointed mess that has no idea what it is or what it's going for and cannot commit to anything, especially not the rule of threes. So the villain is wearing a white suit, which a classic wrestling tell is that if you're wearing all white, you're mm-hmm. going to get something splattered on you. Right. Right. And so like paint. they seriously splattered a little paint on his leg and like doo-doo coffee on his wiener. And then nothing else happened. There was never like a like monkey manure falls from the ceiling or he gets like banana acid squirted on him. I don't know. Like there's not a third spill on the white suit and the ones that they did, like it seemed like maybe they didn't want to get it too dirty because it was a loner. (laughs) Like they, they barely messed with his white suit but clearly made it a thing that he was getting stuff spilled on his white suit. But they just, but they couldn't even commit to that. Not enough of a thing. It. Yeah, not, not enough of a thing. And, oh my God. Uh, yeah, I, I just hated it. I, I don't know that I've ever seen that actor in anything else. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Yeah. You know what I hated? What did you hate, Denny? Speaking of who the hell is this reference for and what beats are you trying to hit? Mm-hmm. Real subtle naming the short-sighted guy Magoo. Brilliant <laughs> for all of your grandparents that had to take you to MVP. We'll give him a Mr. Magoo reference. And then imagine needing a teenager to tell you that the reason you're a sucky goalie is because you're not wearing your glasses. Listen! Which I would assume you wear other times in your life. Listen. Like, it's not even like he took him to get an eye exam and got him prescription glasses. He was like, hey, doofus, put your glasses on. These will like, work. Oh, I do see better with these. Thanks for pointing that out, man. My note about that was, did this guy that looks 28 really not realize he needed glasses? Doesn't he drive a car? <laughs> but he has glasses. He Were they his? I thought them. I thought the the kid just, like, pulled him out. I thought that they were his glasses that he was actively choosing not to wear while playing goalie. I'll have to watch it again, but yeah, I thought Steve just was like, oh, I found some glasses. Wear them. He's like, oh, these exist? I can wear <laughs> these and they make me see better. Oh, man. Greg, I'm uh, I'm ending the... I'm ending my cycle of my decent notes that are worth mentioning. I made a lot but I'm right. running out. Do you, do you have any other, any other notes worth mentioning? I've got, I've got a closer other than that. I got, I, I think I've said what I need to say about MVP. Yeah. Um, I think my main thing is, well, I've got, I've got one throwaway thing and then a real thing. Um, who in the world decided what hats these characters should wear? Because this coach wearing a Kango is flat out embarrassing. Like I don't, I don't even know, know what you're talking about. He's he's wearing a Kango. Just 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 trust What's me. What's a Kango? It's a hat, and he looks like an idiot wearing it. What kind of hat? It's a Kango, man. I don't know what to tell you. It didn't make an impression on me. <laughs> it made an impression on me. The coach looks like a doofus. And then the other thing that matters is, speaking of the coach, it was like that championship game. We're we're doing the plot where we're doing we're doing the bit right. 
It's a mm-hmm. popular thing. It's the Abed thing where we gather everyone in and like, here's what we're going to do. And we just like whisper the plan. But this movie did it so wrong. I I don't even know how to process it, man. Because like they they do the thing where they bring everyone in and like there it's been like a 20 second focus on like the same shot like they're all having a normal conversation and they're like all right here's the plan and then they start <laughs> and then they do the mouth movements and like the pointing like huh this over here over this and then she uh-huh and then so they like spend 15 seconds just standing there inaudible just like pointing and making like curious faces and then the coach like it doesn't stop there because the coach goes back to like the athletic trainer and conveys the same plan in a whispered tone in like three seconds and the trainer is just like got it and then they leave this whole elaborate plan could have been communicated three seconds in a whisper like it's it's insane so Greg, I expected you to be way more of a homer for this movie based on how lightning fast you chose it for this topic. It's the first um, one that popped into my head for primates in general. Monkeys. Gotcha. I thought this was like a, a a guilty pleasure or a childhood favorite or something you've watched a million times at a sleepover. This is not this is not that for you. I watched it once like 20 years ago and then here I am again. Well, I'm glad because I didn't want to shit on something you loved. Um, and I was kind of afraid of the, the negativity I have towards this movie. Uh, Go ahead. I mean, it's it's a uh, it's not even a good kids movie. It's really not. Dive. You know, like even if you're looking at it from that standard, it's really not well done. It's very tonally inconsistent. Um, and it's really like kids want to like laugh and watch people get bonked on the head that is there is not a lot of that in this movie it is a very serious movie about a monkey that plays hockey so he doesn't have to get hepatitis um i did want to wrap up with uh after i watched this movie i couldn't help but investigate the more like this suggestions on the roku channel and i wanted to share the best of with our listeners right now go for it please a dog gone hollywood Horse Crazy 2, The Legend of Grizzly Mountain, written and directed by Tina Belcher. Bailey, A Night in Cowtown. Dudes and Dragons. MVP2, Most Vertical Primate, not to be confused with MXP, Most Extreme Primate, which is Thank a hell of a trilogy, that. if you ask me. Yeah. Reef 2, which I assumed was a gritty reboot of Reefer Madness. Uh, Dogtown. Which I assumed was a prequel to Lords of Dogtown, uh, but oh, I haven't I seen know. it. Um, I thought that's what you're referring to. Groundhog Dave, which oh. is technically legal. Oh God! And Lenny the Wonder Dog. These are all now in my algorithm thanks to this show. I don't. I don't our choices on our worst episode ever. I don't think I've seen any of those. You said no dog- one has seen any of those. You said Dogtown. I was like, oh, Lords of Dogtown. Oh, oh no. <laughs> no, different, different just movie. Dog- not Lords of, just Dogtown. <laughs> Oops. Greg, what's your favorite line from this movie? Um, I had a toss-up, uh, but I do have a, a choice. Uh, second place was smelling salts. Anytime anyone <laughs> kill for smelling salts, anyone getting a concussion that's completely laughed off. 
Um, That's beautiful. But the one I went with was, oh, he missed that shot by a country kilometer. Because once once we got to Canada in the movie, they really leaned into the, like, guys, they're Canadian jokes. <laughs> and I thought that was a really good one. Yeah, I, uh, I actually really felt that they did not give us a lot to work with in uh, in the favorite line category. There were not a lot of memorable quotes, not a lot of zany lines, not as much as you'd expect. Um, I think I'm a tie between the monkey is back and the crowd is going bananas. <laughs> and I love the smell of Zamboni fumes in the morning. That was a good one, yeah. <laughs> what's uh, what's your critic rating, Greg? Uh, my critic rating on MVP, colon, most valuable primate, is a 12 out of 40, which equals a 3 out of 10. Mm. I've got it sitting at 18 out of 50, which I would imagine is pretty much in the same ballpark. This is, and keep in mind that it's a sh- it's a shade shy of a three, but yeah, go ahead. I've got a I've got a standard that uh, any movie that is coherent gets at least a ten. <laughs> any movie that it was like clear who was speaking and how they got from location to location, and there's no boom mics in it, um, that gets a ten. MVP got an 18 judged for the genre, right? Yeah. For the genre of this is a goofball kids movie. This is a bad movie. This is not a good flick. Yeah. Do not recommend it to you or your children, but it is technically a movie. So 18 out of 50. I'll give it that technically a movie MVP, most valuable primate (laughs) thought it was going to be a lot more fun and it was not, it was very serious. It was a slog. Yeah. Um, not a lot of monkeys playing hockey. Which is what it desperately needed. Yeah, they should put that quote on the DVD box. Technically a movie, <laughs> Denny Taylor, Movies for Women podcast. <laughs> it's going to be on the uh, 4K Blu- Blu-ray uh, re-release. Yeah, Arrow Video is working on that right now, I think. And it's going to sell for like $40. I'm excited. Airbud Entertainment. Get the box set. 4K. <laughs> okay, I'm not joking. I would buy a comprehensive box set of uh, of Airbud movies. As long if as they it's... had the complete anthology with behind the scenes and interviews with the dog actors, I'd mm. buy them all. As long as it's 4K, yeah. I had something else I wanted to add that I forgot about. Hit me. Halfway through this movie, I just heard Captain Barbosa saying, We named the Monkey Jack in my head. <laughs> <laughs> It's a very monkey name. Let me know when you're ready to seamless edit. When I'm ready to what? Seamless, seamless edit. edit. Fuck you. <laughs> and we're back. Wow, Greg, we're going to do Dunstan Checks In, which was my pick. I found out through IMDb that this was released on my sixth birthday, nice. January the 12th, 1996. Uh, this was a movie that I really liked. And my first note on this is, Finally, some fucking levity. I watched... Jesus! I have got some motherfucking things to say about this goddamn movie. Who's Producer the- of the show, Vanessa Taylor, what are you doing here? Vanessa. Hello, it is me, and I got shit to say about Dunstan Checks In. What shit do you have to say about Dunstan Checks In? What warrants well, I mean, this passion? Off, the entire... Hello, Greg. Um, the entire premise of this episode is movies you want to watch or movies for when... You want to watch a movie about a monkey? Dunstan is not a fucking monkey. They call him a monkey. Well, they're wrong. Several characters. We apologize for this. We're we're ahead of this scandal. The scandal was there. 
the scandal was there last week when you set up this premise. You can't get over this scandal. The scandal is here and it's here to stay. Scandals. Would it help if I wrote an apology in the notes app and tweeted it? 100%. Maybe. We'll see. Okay. Depending. Send me, Ending. Send me a draft. Do any of the actual work on this podcast, Greg? Do you think you'll be able to get on that? I'll submit Greg a draft. So. Vanessa had to work late on Friday night when I watched MVP and Dunstan checks in back to back because I'm an adult and that's what you do when you're an adult on a Friday night. Hell yeah. And I'm fine with my life and I'm not sad. Um, <laughs> um, she came in about 20 minutes into Dunstan checks in and she had some notes. What, what no, I, came was... in, I came in 20 minutes into MVP. Oh, I was there for the entirety of Dunstan checks in. Yes. Oh, MVP had its own problems, but you guys are done with that one and that's fine. We'll leave it to rest. Um, Dunstan though. I mean, the physics for one was just off the chain in the worst way possible. Everyone would have died in this film. Everyone everyone even dunstan I'm afraid of you right now you should be <laughs> <laughs> tell tell us some more about the movie physics that you had issues yeah, with. yeah okay so i'm just gonna go ahead and skip ahead because i was writing a paper as i was also watching this movie so i really just checked into weird spots so i have no idea chronologically like how this actually progresses but at one point there he's lowering his brother so the kid from santa claus little santa claus charlie lowers his older brother on this wench mechanism that has no safety he's just hooked up to it this child could 100 percent not hold his older brother one also his older brother super pervy there was a lot of adult humor in this movie like that was another point too but let's get back to the physics so mm -hmm. he tells him destroy my porn magazine stash don't let dad see it i walked in not realizing that this is his brother and definitely thinking that a teenager was telling a child to take his porn stash if he dies down this chute. Didn't know it was a hotel. Again, I had very little context, was writing a paper in this movie. So he's lowering him down. They're looking for a monkey. Turns out not a monkey. Keep going, keep going. Down the chute they go. And then, ah, there's the monkey. But he's an orangutan right behind him. Surprise, there's Dunstan. And then he fucking drops his brother down this massive chute in a hotel in New York where he would 100% have hit his head. And then Rupert Grant shows up. No, not Rupert Grant. That's that's Harry Potter. Uh, Rupert Everett. There we go. Rupert Everett shows up, which 100% did a great job in this show being the baddie. But he shows up and then Dunstan and Charlie dive head first down this chute as well. We're looking at what, 80, 80 stories is what I'm telling myself. Sure, it's a laundry chute. <laughs> But that is like hitting fucking concrete because there's a few laundry piles, but it is not enough as this child goes plummeting down this laundry chute with a monkey on his back. I'm sorry, an orangutan on his oh, back. Oh, hypocrite. hypocrite. I know. Mm -hmm. It's your show. You said monkey. I'm just jiving with you. Oh, wow. um, the yeah. ca Half the cast also said monkey. They did because they're wrong. <laughs> They all survive. Happy go lucky. Not a big deal. It's all super fine. And ha ha, now they're rolling around in the laundry. Those poor women, right? Like now that's their clean laundry that they just fell into this pile. And now it's got orangutan hair, children's dirt. Children are dirty creatures, as are orangutans. 
honestly, Dunstan looked cleaner than the two children. So it's just disrespectful. And my rant. So Dunstan checks in is a movie about a monkey that goes to a hotel. <laughs> I like it very much. I thought it was fun to watch as a child. And in my adult life, I found that it ages pretty decently. <laughs> a little background for the listeners. There's a highly controversial laundry shoot scene that really alienated some audience members and perhaps contributed to the financial woes of the movie at the box office. Jason Alexander wore a hairpiece. Bald lives matter. Why couldn't he just be bald? I'm balding. What am I supposed to say about this movie after that? Do we want to call it? I mean, I have a couple things, but it's just like, why? <laughs> what do I have to add here? I think Vanessa just saved the worst episode ever of Movies for Win with some actual usable audio that someone would actually want to listen to. And we appreciate so thank her you for that. that. Yes, thank I you. I don't know where to go from here. You have stumped us. I mean, we could go into the whole kitchen scene as well. I mean, that's another piece that I had an issue with is at the end, have you seen angry kitchen people? Because 100% those kitchen workers were way too passive for this movie, right? Like, oh, you're in so that last right. scene. Sorry, am I jumping ahead too far? No, 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 no. do what you're doing. All right. We don't, we don't so, care about I'm spoilers. I'm deleting my notes as you talk. Like, just, <laughs> just keep going. I'm just deleting these. <laughs> just keep going. So anyway, so in this kitchen scene, it's kind of the like the ultimate scene. So I don't know if we want to add any context, or I'm just going to jump in. So we're going through this scene, and Dunstan has been doing his thing. They're trying to find him. Rupert Everett is wanting his orangutan back for nefarious reasons. Never really sure what he wants from him. I don't know if it was explained earlier while I was writing my paper, but Greg, if you have any ideas, your now would be great to chime in. Why was he trying to kill Dunstan? Your paper on this movie? No, my paper was on... <laughs> <laughs> my paper was on adolescence, you know, which, I mean, could right. be about this movie. I was this actually movie. writing... It was based on Max Goof, so I was doing a, a counseling perspective on the developmental perspective of Max Goof. We're going to make a YouTube video about a, uh, a Freudian psychoanalysis of a Goofy movie. Vanessa and I are working on it together. So. We'll, we'll use my paper. Yeah, by all means. Please, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> to everyone who donated to my fundraiser where I said I'd make a YouTube channel, we're going to do it just in time. Yeah, I got I to finish grad school first. That's where we're... We're trucking through the end. I'm really supposed to do interviews with people, but I'm just, I'm down to no fucks at all. So we're doing, you know, movie characters and action. Yeah. Now we're down oh, to uh, ranting about Dunstan checks in. Yes, back to that. So anyway, do, do we know why Rupert Everett was trying to get him? No idea. I'm, no, right? I'm sure like, there was a line. We know that there was another orangutan that was abused or mm -hmm. something. He killed his brother, his brother. For, killed being, his brother. for being a naughty boy. Rupert, e no, Rupert Everett, Dunstan is his chimpanzee. I Sorry, know. excuse me, his orangutan. Yeah. Thank you. It's his orangutan that he uses to pull off Ocean's Eleven-esque heist. Oh my God, that's right, he's a heist guy. He's a heist guy. <laughs> but but Dunstan, he wants to check out. He does want to he check out. He wants to check out of the game. But, but Rupert Everett is saying, you don't check out. This is the California Hotel. Hotel California, you can check out, but you never leave. You're not getting out of this. You can check in, but you can never check out. No, you can check out, but you can never leave. It's an oh. Eagles song. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. 
that's the that's the third here. that's the third reference that's just completely gone over everybody's heads. <laughs> and we're, at least ours are to like the Big Lebowski. You make references to friends I've never met. <laughs> no, I make references to NHL players you've never heard of. Oh, Four that men. that too. Yeah, there we so, go. No, while we're on Rupert Everett, Vanessa, I'm gonna put you on the spot. That's fine. You mentioned during this movie that because of Rupert Everett who I first of all want to thank for the therapy bill from you um, <laughs> that you feared as a child that you would be tied and gagged by an evil British man. Oh, it wasn't just him. No, I had this moment. I totally forgot about that. Yes. Ooh. So I had this moment in like my child, like watching this movie where he ties up the Charlie character. I have no idea what this kid's name is, but he's Charlie from the Santa Claus for me. It might um, as well be Charlie. I have no idea. <laughs> Right. His name is Eric kid. Lloyd, and he was actually a pretty good child actor. He, pretty he solid. His no, name he's is Eric great, Lloyd. But I'm just saying, this was not his movie. His franchise was the Santa Claus. So which sucks. By it the does way. suck, but he was great. Anyway, so uh, Charlie is trying to keep Dunstan from Rupert Everett, and he gets tied up, like in ropes, and then tape over his mouth, stuck in a tub. And I just had this moment of like um sense memory of being like oh my god that happened so often in 90s movies that i legitimately thought that there would be a moment in my life that i would have to like plan to not get kidnapped by a nefarious adult who was going to not like necessarily kidnap me and take me anywhere but was definitely going to like tie me up and put tape over my mouth that happens in so many 90s movies it's like 100% a trope that keeps on happening and i it clicked in my mind in that moment remembering that and just seeing charlie struggle did you think that it would be like on railroad tracks while a train approached or <laughs> no it's not the 1800s denny <laughs> excuse me um I, I i need to think like i honestly we should do a we should do one movies for when you fear you might be tied up by a nefarious adult as a child or something like that. I guarantee there are multiple 90s specific movies that that happens. I was about to say, they're all from the 90s, I think. They're all from yeah. the 90s. And as a child of the 90s, I thought this would happen. We watched a lot of TV in my household. <laughs> Greg, did you also fear that you would be uh, forced into non-consensual BDSM play by a British man as a child? <laughs> Not even once. <laughs> So you were watching the right movies. This is not an only '90s kids will understand thing. This is <laughs> that's a later episode. Movies for <laughs> mo movies only '90s kids will understand. Movies only '90s kids. Oh man, Greg, I'm gonna need you to take this somewhere. No, I'm sorry. Wait, wait. I want to get back to the kitchen scene, just, and then I'll leave. I'm leaving. No, this I don't here. want you to leave. I want you to stay. Um. No, so the kitchen scene. So so anyway, so he's tied up, and then they go back downstairs, and it's this big party. They're having a whole shindig, which, wait, great costumes, by the way. Our old lady who owns the hotel, that was a banging white dress that she had on. I mean, the dazzlies and the drapey bits on the front. You know, she was, like, swishing and great. I loved it. That's what Honestly, I call those things. Um, so anyway, so they're, like, in the kitchen, and Jason Alexander is his name? Yes. Jason Alexander and Rupert Everett are about to have like a throwdown. They finally have found uh, someone is shooting. Oh yeah, Pee Wee Herman's out there shooting people with like dart guns that look like real guns. It's all over the place. This movie, I was really here for it though. 
But what really, again, pulled me out of the moment, I'm here for some unrealism, but what pulls me out of the moment is this, the little tiny details, Greg, it's the tiny details that I can't hang with. And when you walk into a kitchen, if you've ever worked in a kitchen, as we all clearly know, people who work in kitchen are angry, right? It's hot. There's an intensity. You They're have busy. to be perfect, especially at this fancy fuck hotel. Like six everything. Stars. They're going for six they're stars. For they're six trying to get stars. six stars. They're all on the yeah, same they're team. They're going for six stars. That is not a place for timidity. That is a place for intensity. You don't think that when a child is threatened or their manager, their hotel manager is being threatened, that they're going to cower in the back behind their pots and pans? And they're not just going to pull out all the fucking knives and literally fillet Rupert Everett. Because that's what would happen. Serve him up for lunch, motherfuckers. <laughs> they don't even need, there will be no body. They will make a bone broth soup from him. Not Everett in our. Everett Tartar. Everett Tartar. And it completely pulled Vanessa out of it because they incorrectly administered the SAT. Ruined the movie it's for her. The little fucking details. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, Denny and I. some magical realism. I'm so here for that. Give me unicorns. Give me flying monkeys. That is fine. But for God's sake, do CPR correctly. That's right. Ugh. Denny and I are all about the big picture. Yeah. We're not always <laughs> catching these things. In future episodes of Movies for When, the part of Denny the Talent Taylor will be played by producer Vanessa Taylor. Um, you know, I would respect it if you wanted to drop the mic after that and leave, but I would also invite you to stay because I really think you're saving this episode right now. <laughs> also, please please do not drop the microphone. I, I won't. I won't. I'll just... My microphone. Um, yeah, take away from the rest of your guys' points. Thank you for allowing me to bust into the room and yell my critiques about Dunstan checks in. I'll check myself out. Oh, Dunstan oh, checks shit. in. Vanessa checks out. Thank you. We're on our own. Thank you, producer Vanessa. Dude, I can I can carry a couple things if you want me to. I'm gonna need to recover from just the admiration and just sexual arousal i'm feel feeling towards the powerful statements of my wife um i i, I feel differently but you know i think i'm i'm just gonna i'm gonna need a minute greg i need you to i need you to take the reins man do you, do you need me to riff a little bit because i can i need you to riff a little bit while i decompress from the emotional whirlwind of admiration i just felt well how about this a woman who yells about a movie is a woman worth keeping is what they say well how about this to take your mind off things do you think that the bad guy rutledge is using the same fake teeth that rami malik used in the Fred freddie mercury biopic i haven't seen that biopic um because i don't like biopics about music musicians because uh, dude just make a fucking documentary why what the fuck is the point of a biopic just make it make a damn documentary oscar bait that's why Ugh. you know laziest brand of oscar bait dude you might be right but yeah dunstan is so much cooler than jack yes infinitely so he smokes he doesn't wear clothes unless he has to like yeah dunstan is already cooler than jack jack's no, wearing like little kids clothes 
this is a monkey movie with edge yeah like they really kind of went by 80s pg rules like there is a lot of sexual humor jason alexander says shit he says shit in a pg movie yeah Yeah. 80s pg it's a different time man oh man Dunstan has what Wee herman was pretty fun dude I legitimately laughed out loud at Paul Rubin's first scene. Like, I thought he was, like, not ironically hilarious. Like, I thought that was, like, comedy that sincerely landed. I was blown away by Paul Rubin's performance in this movie. It's honestly something that I really loved, that this movie really has a star-studded cast. Like, Paul Rubin's, Jason Alexander. Charlie from Santa Claus? Charlie from Santa Claus, Faye Dunaway, who was in Chinatown, so this had to be a career highlight for her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Finally getting to do Dunstan Checks In. Um, I thought that everyone acted their asses off and did not just cash a check. Even uh, Glenn Shadix, from, he's Otho from Beetlejuice, and he was fantastic. I thought everyone, like all of these, like, you got to keep in mind, this is 1996. These are A-listers. Like, these are not, right. like, washed-up people. Uh, well, maybe B- Paul Rubin, said he has his, had he had his scandal yet? Mm. I don't think so. I think that was late 90s, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think you're right. Also, yeah, whatever. Um, these are A-listers at the time, and I thought they really showed up, and, like, they they were not just putting money in the bank. They were They were committing to the movie. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Kind of, kind of. I'm completely derailed by Vanessa just, just showing up. Still, yeah. Coming in hot. <laughs> she did it, man. She killed it. Um, yeah. I feel like this was more consistent movie in terms of tone. Like that was my main gripe with MVP. It's just like, yes. What tone are you really even going for? I feel like this one was a whole lot more consistent. I may oh. not have always enjoyed that tone, but it was it same it stayed this with the same feel throughout the whole movie. A hundred percent. And it was they just committed to hijinks. They committed to we're here to have fun. There really weren't a lot of like sappy moments, you know, like about like I have no friends. Dunstan's my only friend. They didn't do yes. that shit. You know, like they, they, they avoided that. They let it be what it was. And that's why this is a movie I'm way more high on than MVP, even though, like, it's not like it has artistic merit, you know, like, mm-hmm. and it's also not like it totally worked. I, I really do think it's uh, it's a kid's movie that wanted to be a family movie, you know, like it was like, yeah, definitely trying for that broader appeal. And it did not land it, like there's no way like a well-adjusted adult would think this was like fun to watch in the same way that they might think like up or toy story is fun to watch, you know, like this is, this is a movie for children. And I think they tried for more and they didn't get it. Um, But I still think it worked. I mean, I I did love this movie as a kid. I watched it a lot. Like I I have this VHS uh, and that's why I chose it. I'm I'm a fan of Dunstan checks in uh, even if it's not a, even if it's not great, it's yeah. certainly passable. Like it's like if you're gonna look at it in its context of like this is a '90s kids movie, it's pretty 
pretty hard to like really rag on it because yeah. I think they like, dude, they knew what they were doing. There was never like a, a, a super low rent moment, like the montage we were talking about in MVP, you know, like there's never like anything that's like, dude, y'all just ran out of money and had no idea what you were doing. You know, like it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's honestly, I was surprised I actually looked up the budget um, because one of my notes was this movie had money behind it and it showed um, the budget was 9.8 million. Oh, sorry. It grossed 9.8 million off 16 million, which really is not a very high budget and they still lost money. Mm-hmm. Um, but MVP had a 4.5 million budget and they grossed 1.2 million. So really the margin of loss is actually a lot worse for this movie. Right. Um, but still I was just like MVP deserved to lose like $3 million. This movie deserved, I don't know about mega hit, but like break even on yeah. that. It's a pretty low budget. Cause I'm like, I've got to imagine that like most of that budget went to the actor salaries, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's really like Jason Alexander in 1996 Seinfeld is not off the air, right? Like, this ain't nothing to sneeze at. He's chewing up a lot of the budget, for sure. Yeah. And I I honestly thought he lived up to it. I really did. I really, from like a, from a, from a theater, from a, from a film critic perspective, I honestly really enjoyed Jason Alexander's performance in this. I really did. Yeah. It seemed pretty natural. He, I think he did great playing a dad. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it was, it was legit. It's too legit. So, Greg, will you remember for the rest of your life, like I will, where you were when Dunstan the orangutan but bongoed Faye Dunaway to near climax? Oh, my God, dude. I forgot about that part. I didn't. I will always remember that part. <laughs> she, oh, my gosh, man. That uh, belongs on Pornhub. I wonder if at any point anybody was like, hey, this is a kid's movie, right? <laughs> Just... <laughs> well, then she like pulls her massage therapist over to bang him and they're together at the party later. <laughs> nice little narrative thread for Faye Dunaway's uh, Mrs. Dubrow character. Very cool, Dunstan checks in. Mm-hmm. Very cool. He's a little matchmaker, that that monkey. He's, well, a little, he's a little matchmaker. He hooks people up. He does the, uh, the classic primate in a movie kissing motion there. Dude, he had... He had horny on Maine. Uh, he tried to blow a blade of grass in this movie. <laughs> he was a horny bastard to the bitter end, and I respect him for it. I really do. We love Dunstan here. And... He had a lot more charisma than Jack. Really acted with his eyes, you know? Yeah. Like, really really had more more range. More range than Jack from MVP. A real orangutan. I get you. <laughs> Oh, Danny! You remember when they made a vagina joke? I don't. Please <laughs> elaborate. Paul Rubens is looking underneath the table, and like this guy gets indignant because he thinks he's looking up his wife's dress, and he goes, "Sorry, I'm looking for a Pungo Pygmaeus, which is like the biological name for an orangutan." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, "If I ever catch you looking at my wife's Pungo Pygmaeus ever again, I'll punch you in the face or whatever." Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> it's like. Kids don't get that, but that's funny. I got it when I was a kid, and I was like, "Ooh, I didn't see it." Say that, buddy. This was my first time seeing it. I never watched it as a kid. Mm. 
feel sorry for you. Yeah, me too. Um, do you remember when Dunstan made vor porn on the camera? He made monkey vor? Yeah. He's a pervert. <laughs> Dunstan's a pervert. That's why he's cooler than Jack. Yeah, he's cool. He, he would buy us cigarettes. <laughs> no, he would steal them. Ocean's Eleven style. Greg, I've just been in a whirlwind riffing over here. Can you? I feel like I've talked a lot. Can you? Can you give me some thoughts on Dunstan checks in? I don't have anything on this movie, man. Like it's just <laughs> like it, it was a kids' movie that I didn't I didn't watch as a kid from an era that I grew up in. But I feel like I've seen enough movies like this. Mm-hmm. I wanted to point out that uh, when Dunstan got to choose a movie. He chose to watch Planet of the Apes, and he loved it. So that is Dunstan's official pick for best movie for when you want to see a monkey. And I'd also like to acknowledge that he is better at choosing than us. <laughs> Why didn't we just watch Planet of the Apes? We should have consulted Dunstan. <laughs> Greg and Denny together, not strong. Do you remember when the dog tried to commit suicide? I felt so bad for the dog. Me too. I was just like, oh, oh, okay, he's jumping off the roof. All right, there we go. Yeah, no, I actually kept waiting for them to like pan to Dunstan holding him, and Dunstan just like watches him fall. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think something I thought was really funny, I paused it to go back. He falls by his owner, Glenn Shadix's room, while he's reading. Mm-hmm. And Glenn Shadix is reading, uh, "Why do bad when bad things happen to good people?" Yeah, as his dog like suicides out his window, <laughs> he doesn't notice. <laughs> <sighs> Poetic, Denny. Poetic. What's your What's your favorite line in the movie? Oh man, I was close because I thought growing up because I remembered it from when I was a kid because I thought it was funny. Actually, I didn't understand it when I was a kid when someone says like something's making noise in your suitcase and uh the evil british guy who's gonna kidnap my wife goes probably one of my sports coaches i've been told they're rather loud mm -hmm. which i thought was really funny but man what really struck me in this viewing was paul rubens repeating twice i saw a turtle one time who looked like a volkswagen with a tail <laughs> it was so funny what's your favorite line that that one was definitely up there. Um, I'm pausing to let this echo go away. Echo, echo. Man, it's so bad today. Has it been there a lot? Uh, only for the last few minutes. Okay. And it looks like it's gone now. Okay. It's fucking edits, dude. Um. I can't remember the character's name, but it's the lady that owns the her, the hotel. Her husband, when they first meet, and they're explaining that they want the sixth star. Towards the end of that scene, he's he's just been in the background the whole scene. He just goes uh, as he's talking to his son. The owner's husband says, "Why is he talking to his crotch?" <laughs> I made note of that one as a, as a contender for my favorite line, it's, which was really funny. It's excellent. <laughs> By the way, there's a young child below your desk. Mm -hmm. Thank you. 
Greg, what's your Critiker score? Uh, let me check here. My Critiker score is a 12 out of 40, which equates to a 3 out of 10. What was your score for MVP? A 12 out of 40, which equates to a 3 out of 10. I've got to call bullshit on that. Why? These movies are not equals. Dunstan is infinitely better than MVP. Says you. You grew up with this movie. Dude, says filmmaking. No, not says filmmaking. I told you I like the hockey parts. It, despite the obvious rule rule inconsistencies. What do you think you would have rated MVP if he played badminton instead of hockey? 200 out of 40. Where did where is he gonna go? What's the, where where is he where is he gonna accidentally get off on the train that's like oh I'm in badminton country now like a community college rec sports league he just goes back to the same college <laughs> he doesn't even have to get on a train um I gave this one a thirty out of fifty very um, nice for me thirty is passing. That's like, you know, that's that's the line. That's the pass-fail line. This is a, it's a narrow pass. Man, it's nothing special. It's really not. I thought for what it was, they did a completely acceptable job at making a kid's movie about a monkey in a hotel. Um, I thought that it was better than it had to be, but not better than it had any right to be. Um, I've said before, family movies rule. Kids movies suck. This is a kid's movie. But in that context, fuck it. I'll give it a pass. I just couldn't fail it in good conscience. I just, I thought it was, to me, failing it just came across as, like, overly critical of something that's really not meant to be criticized. You know, like, it just was like, why would you be, like, so up your own ass as to, like, fail this movie? I just I just didn't see any reason to do it. I'll give it a 30. Yeah. Why not? That's fine. It's not like a spot of honor. It's just like a... <laughs> It's okay. I guess you get a C minus. I'm fine. You I had fun. I, I, I'll say this. I didn't really have fun watching MVP, like other than like thinking of like things to say about it for this show. Oh, we thought of plenty. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I could have given Dunstan like an ironic nostalgic watch if I was in the right mood mm -hmm. and not like really felt like I wasted my life or been mad about it. I didn't feel the same about MVP. I do think that this had, you know, I don't know, a little bit of 90s nostalgia that there's just something there that we can't get back. God, I was just about to ask what would this look like in a post 9-11 world, and then my mind went to a dark place about hotels and 9-11 and tall buildings. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I'm just going to edit that out, Greg. <laughs> I might not. Here we go. Seamless edit. Yet again. Seamless. Yet again, and it is the edit is edit, seamless, and the is seamless edit, is edit. It's edited. We're here to talk about Every Which Way But Loose, which is a 1978 film starring Clint Eastwood and an orangutan, and then a whole bunch of other people. Um, this is where I would normally describe the plot of the movie, but um, my oh my, where to begin? Clint Eastwood. Well, no. Vanessa had to work on Saturday, and I watched this alone on Saturday morning. And unfortunately, she is not our deus ex machina. She is not going to come in here to save this segment and just roast this movie with her unmatched passion and fury. It's just you and I, 
here with every which way but loose. We got which a... is without a doubt one of my least favorite movies I have ever watched. I fucking hated this movie. I'm putting it in like Hall of Shame. I hated this movie. Unbelievably bad. Okay, I didn't hate it that much, but I did text you when I was watching it uh, yesterday that I I was like, man, this movie sucks. It's like I'm yeah. having I'm having a miserable time. I had to wait like five days because I was just like, the best possible thing that could happen for this episode is that I hate it and Greg loves it, so I don't want to color your perception of it. But unfortunately, you hated it too. <laughs> so it wasn't. We're we're gonna roast this one, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to tear this shit apart. Um, and let me say this: when I say it is my one of my least favorite movies I've ever seen, this is my thing. Boredom is a carnal, unforgivable sin in movies for me. I operate from a perspective that the most base level function of a movie is to entertain you. I think movies can do a lot more than that. I think a good movie can make you think a great movie might change your thoughts. Movies can help you heal. Movies can help you make meaning. Movies can help you recover from pain. Movies can bring you joy and make you feel connected when you are feeling isolated. But the lowest level a movie could possibly function at is mindless entertainment. And if you fail to provide me mindless entertainment, and I find myself bored for the majority of your movie, this is the worst a movie can possibly be. It is worse than being so incompetent that you make an incoherent movie. It is so much worse to bore your audience because at least Neil Breen engages and excites me. Dude. I will never take that away from Tommy Wiseau. I will never take that away from just all the weird schlock stuff that I watch all the time. I'm not pretentious. I don't claim that there is high art. My favorite franchise ever is Friday the 13th. Do you know how much garbage is in Friday the 13th? I love every second of it, but I have never been bored in that franchise. That's right. This movie is boring as fuck. Dude, I think there's a level worse than that, but we'll talk about Sex in the City 2 in another episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Um, real, real quick, um, Denny, when is the next Friday the 13th? It is August 13th, and we will, that's right, will be doing a Friday the 13th episode. Movies for when it's Friday the 13th. It is a holiday that I observe every year, and we're going to, well, every year that it happens. Yeah, every time it happens. Sometimes two or three times a year, sometimes not at all, and that's the beauty of it. Um, to me, it's more sacred than Christmas. That's right. Christmas is really taking a beat down in this episode for me. Um, Man. I love Friday the 13th, and on August 13th, we will be dropping movies for when it's Friday the 13th. So get excited, because I have lots of thoughts and lots of feelings, and you're gonna 
sit through them. If you made it through this, I promise it won't be worse. It's yeah. not going to be worse than this episode. So if you're here, you're probably pretty bought in. And if you didn't make it this far, adieu. <laughs> it's it's a hell of a teaser, man. Because yeah, Friday the Thirteenth next month, and you already know how to prepare. Just watch the movie franchise. You're set. So it's going to be hard to narrow it down to three. I'll say that much. You have a pick, I have a pick, and I'm assuming the audience has a pick. Is that what we're going to do? Uh, TBD. We'll see. We'll see. We'll announce it on our Facebook. On our Facebook group, which is blowing up. Thanks to everyone. And I want you guys to know that us shilling our Facebook group is so much better than Every Which Way But Loose. That's Just right. listen to us shilling our social media marketing instead of watching this movie. It is such a bad movie. If you ever think about watching it, call me and ask me how to make a Twitter account and subscribe to our Twitter. I promise I will make it so much better than every which way but loose. I will I will razzle-dazzle you. I will give you so much more than this movie could possibly give you, and I won't take two fucking hours to do it. I'll get right to the point. The movie... Do not watch this shitty fucking movie. This movie is two hours jesus hey denny how long is this movie two motherfucking hours i mean okay so on average this show so far and obviously this time it's gonna go way over that just like last week thanks mvp this episode (laughs) thanks mvp this this show goes two hours sometimes a little less sometimes a little more i i don't want to toot our own horn but I feel like we're a little more entertaining than this movie. Dude. We make a little more sense in this movie, even when we're slightly inebriated about two-thirds of the way through the episode. Sometimes, I just, like I said, I was encouraged that people liked our show because I could not imagine anyone other than me and you wanting to hear this. I promise you, we will never make an episode as bad as watching Every Which Way But Loose. We will never do it, because we couldn't if we tried. Because we're just that damn charming and charismatic that we could never be this boring. Lock us in a room. Give us a microphone. Give us two hours. We will over-deliver compared to Every Which Way But Loose. And give I didn't us say it would be good, because this movie's not anywhere near good. But we would do better on our worst day of like making a podcast about our butts like this is so bad all right well it's it's every which way but good but denny let's get a little specific i want to i want to go ahead and say this was suggested to us neither of us have seen this have you seen this before this week i knew nothing about it i did not know that it existed never heard of it yeah same here um i'll start out with a positive note Clyde, I'll say the only nice thing I can say about it after you do. Clyde has taken the throne, taken the mantle for coolest primate in our series so far. He gives middle fingers, he drinks beer. Dunstan is no Saturdays. Lo- <laughs> Which was funny. Yeah, I know. He's he's usurped Dunstan for the coolest who uh, usurped Jack previously. Clyde yeah. rules. I have another positive thing to say, but hit me with yours. You know, in the opening scene, which one of my first notes was, 
you know, if this movie is just two hours of bar fights and the occasional monkey scene, I'm fine with it. And let me say, I redacted that note. <laughs> I was like, wait, that's exactly what it was. That's exactly what I was it was. Not fine with it. <laughs> that was a, a hopeful take on this movie. Um, I really liked the punches in the first fight scene. Yeah. Um, they reminded me of a 90s Razor Ramon. For any of you wrestling fans out there, go watch Razor Ramon throw a punch in a fake sport where punches look egregiously fake. Razor Ramon has a tight fucking punch. And I thought Clint Eastwood was throwing some Razor Ramon fist in the first scene of this movie. I thought Hollywood punches are usually kind of silly. I thought they did the punches really well. I'll say a nice thing. Yeah. Greg, what's your other nice thing? That's a very nice thing. Um, all of my nice things revolve around Clint Eastwood in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, man, his scenes with Clyde, I feel like... Clint Eastwood, the actor, really loved that orangutan. Like, they seemed mm-hmm. like they got along great. Like, it's an animal on set. You never know exactly what they're going to do. Like, <laughs> sometimes he would, like, put his arms around Clint Eastwood, and you could tell mm-hmm. he just, like, it just charmed the hell out of him, and he absolutely loved mm-hmm. it. Like, while he's still delivering lines, and he's just like, this is pretty cool. I really love this thing. And it, it, so I actually, it brought I actually a smile to my face. Trivia. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm talking over you. Excuse me. No, that was it. Go ahead. I actually looked up trivia, and Clint Eastwood went on record saying that the orangutan in this movie was the most natural actor he ever worked with. So you were picking up on something very real, that he loved this ape. Yeah. Um, and that he had, like, respect for this ape as a performer. Um, but he also said you had to get him in one take because his boredom tolerance was not high. So I'll say this. He wasn't in the audience then. This He was this not ape. in the audience because my boredom tolerance was low for this movie. Um, <laughs> no, but I think you definitely picked up on organic chemistry that Eastwood definitely like had a high level of respect for this, this animal performer. Um, and definitely like, dude, that's not nothing to sneeze at. Clint Eastwood saying this is the most natural actor I ever worked with. Yeah. <laughs> that's... It's a high compliment. Exactly. Coming from the the um, the most credible actor, and I'll say Clint Eastwood is the only reason this movie like stands the test of time at all. I feel like if he's not in it, this movie just gets completely lost in Dude, history. I want to hate him because of all the like John Wayne boomer stands, but he's just so fucking cool. He is. Like He's just so fucking cool on screen. Like I want to like mock him because I think that he is a symbol of a really toxic culture. Like just like to reference forgetting Sarah Marshall again, when like uh, when Peter's on the surfboards with uh, with Aldous Snow, and he's just like, "Fuck, you're cool!" Like you just can't <laughs> deny it. Like Clint Eastwood is so cool. Like he's so damn cool. It's unbelievable how cool he is. Like, I, I want to get mad about, like, even in this movie, you know, coming off of, you know, Good, Bad, Ugly, Fistful of Dollars and all that, he's still, like, on the other side of the road wearing his cowboy hat, kind of lit from the back, face kind of shrouded. And like, oh, he's just doing the same thing, but now it's, like, modern times for the movie setting. Yeah. It's still just so cool. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's cool as hell, man. 
Like, it really is. Like, he's a badass. Even, like, a note I made is that... So, like, the hook scene is where you meet your protagonist, right? Like, you're, you're supposed to get a reason to care about your protagonist as soon as you meet them, right? This yes. movie's hook scene is him, like, driving a truck, chewing a piece of gum, and then fucking littering. Like, he, like, throws the trash out the window... And that's how we meet our hero, this like asshole. And it was just so fucking cool, man. Like he's just so <laughs> damn cool, and I can't hate it. I can't it, hate it. He's doing all of these things um, with the accompaniment of a an example of something from a bygone era is the song written specifically for the movie that is basically the title of the movie. So, okay. Was that written for the movie or am I, or was it, what came first? I don't know, but because we've praised, like, using the title to, like, enhance the story Mm -hmm. in past episodes, I wanted to talk about this because this title is irrelevant and makes no sense. And I got to, like, I've never heard this song anywhere else. I actually kind of liked the song. Um, Yeah. Yeah, no, I kind of liked it. Um, what the hell? Was that for the movie? Was that a popular song? Why is this called Every Which Way But Loose? I actually looked into it a little bit, and it is a reference to the novel Their Eyes Are Watching God. And it's just like a... It's like describing a knife fight, a knife fight, excuse me, and saying that he turned him every which way but loose. I don't okay. know, man. This movie's stupid. <laughs> Just like everything. I hate the movie. It's a reach. I want to hate Clint Eastwood, but I can't. No, you can't. Uh, My only other Clint Eastwood note is uh, it's one of my mom's favorite jokes between her and my dad is always calling him Squint Eastwood. And (laughs) my my parents are charming, and that's one of the reasons why. I've met your parents, and I can confirm that they're charming. Yeah. Just wait till you hear uh, them talk about Squint Eastwood. It's, it's great. It's great. Oh, man. Beverly D'Angelo is in this, which I thought was funny because Faye Dunaway in Dunstan Checks In reminded me of Beverly D'Angelo in, in Vegas Vacation when she's a waniac. <laughs> it's all connected. It's all connected, man. Everything adds up. Um, you know what? Fuck this anti-intellectual horseshit. They like mock the college students. This movie is the Warriors from a Blue Lives Matter perspective. It's just like, like it's just a movie where they're like, everyone different than me is stupid. Like they're just like, all the gang members are just these like morons, and Clint Eastwood is just this like tough strong conservative country man who beats the fuck out of morons always with no challenges like what kind of movie is this where the antagonist poses zero threat to the protagonist like just like some fucking stupid idiot chasing the protagonist around never actually putting him in any sort of real danger he can just whoop their ass in a heartbeat and he does who writes that who writes that shit um if i had the writer's name i would uh i would tell you 
Yeah. Yeah, it's... The whole thing felt extremely low stakes. Right! Especially, like... I never once felt like an ounce of danger was standing in the way of Clint Eastwood. The no. The antagonist is actually the blonde singer lady, whatever her name is. Uh, Clint Eastwood's wife at the time, I think, was the actress. So, she sucked. <laughs> <laughs> so, I want to get on her singing. This is something that really annoys me about cooking movies where like for example another one of my least favorite movies i've ever seen is the hundred foot journey by harpo productions yeah oprah made a movie um it's one of the stupidest things i've seen in my life and people will tell me they liked it because they love watching people cook and i'm like well there's a cooking channel youtube it why are you making a movie about this i haven't i haven't heard of this make dinner I felt the same way about country music in this movie. Yeah. Um, where I could kind of excuse a lot of uh, a lot of needless song and dance routines back in like basically the 30s to the 50s where media really wasn't very developed and like that was still yowza wowza talking pictures, you know, like yeah. <laughs> I could excuse that because I'm like, dude, I get it. Like you can't just like pull up a song you like on your iPod. I'm old. <laughs> iPods. <laughs> um, Rub your finger around that circle and find your favorite track that you downloaded <laughs> off LimeWire. <laughs> in 1978, we did not need a movie as an excuse to hear country music. There is so much country music in this. So much country music for the sake of country music, which I hate country music. I'm not a fan. I can't stand it. Why are you putting this in a movie? Why are we watching whole song and dance numbers with no dance? It's like literally just someone singing on a stage, standing still and singing. Who would watch that? Who would want to see this? I think that's the main problem is just, it is a song and dance sort of feel, but it's literally just like person on stage... And I guess we're supposed to also know who some of these singers are, right? Ugh, I don't. And I don't want to. And I don't care. That's right. Oh, man. Most interested I was in this movie was... uh, There was a guy who looked like Mark Hamill at one point. That was kind of neat. It wasn't him. Ah, who who was it? I don't know. It's not Mark Hamill. Um, oh, this is neat. I checked with, uh, this is the only good part of the movie that I unequivocally loved. Um, and I checked with, uh, I checked with my friend who is a veterinarian and has interned at multiple zoos. And I asked her, do you think someone could successfully sneak an orangutan into a zoo for a conjugal visit? And she said, yes. She said, yes, I think you could. Um, that was a great sequence that had no purpose, that had no meaning, and I loved it. And I wanted to ask, are we still doing still a better love story than Twilight? <laughs> the because never if so, done. if so, still a better love story than Twilight. 
Yeah, that that'll never die, and I think <laughs> I felt more emotional. Kick, just like, oh, they better get in there. <laughs> Close the little rock, the little door that's made to look like a rock behind him. You're just like, God, yeah, that man. Great. That was great. Yet another reason he's cooler than Dunstan. <laughs> he's edgier than the edgy orangutan. Oh, he's so cool, man. Man, was it was it like a thing in the seventies where it's just like elite, just peak level comedy that an old woman is having trouble getting a driver's license? What the fuck was that? It it was the joke, Denny. I thought the glasses were bad in MVP as a Magoo reference. Yeah. That like this goalie can't figure out that he just is a shitty goalie because he doesn't have his glasses on. And then there's this. This I it's just so confusing. It's like it's like a half thought out SNL skit where like the premise itself is supposed to be just so funny that the little jokes made within these segments are supposed to make us laugh or like give you the <laughs> whoa, I can't believe she said that kind of reaction. But it just it doesn't work. You're just like she she getting her license she's it just comes off more confusing like why is this a thing and then at the end i guess she like what is she flirting with the guy at the dmv that's the big payoff i think he's flirting with her yeah she's into it though but then she puts her glasses on and fucking crushes it yeah and that's the just let me just say this. This increased my empathy in this way. If you grew up watching this, I understand why you can't look away from Tucker Carlson. God bless you if you grew up with every which way but loose as the funniest thing you've seen in your life. I get the appeal of Fox News. I get how that is high quality entertainment for you. You've been through a lot. <laughs> Listen, I talked to a coworker who um he grew up he was a he was a very young kid when this movie came out and he he only knew Clint Eastwood from, you know, like we were saying his badass western movies, the spaghetti western days, all that. And then to see him in a comedy the way he described it was just like so I don't want to say groundbreaking, but just like so I the reaction was just like, I can't, I can't believe Clint Eastwood's doing a comedy. Like, this is, like, just the idea of that was funny enough to people. I think, I mean, we're, <clears throat> we're missing out on a lot of historical context because we were born 12 years after this movie came out. Or 22 years after this. Man. No, I had it right, 12. I love 70s movies. I love lots of them. I think it is an underrated and magical time in cinema, and I have an ability to appreciate it despite not living through it. This movie fucking blows. <laughs> this like, is a year. I want to hear it. This is a year before Alien. The, right. <laughs> there's the poster. It's not like you can excuse it of like, we didn't know how to make a good movie yet. It's like, dude, Frankenstein is in 1931, and it's amazing. Dude, it holds up. This is it's a really good movie. This is. Don't the, tell me you couldn't do this. It's the same argument where like, 
CGI being bad after Jurassic Park is just like a little inexcusable. <laughs> yeah, because that CGI holds up now. Still looks good 26 years later. And then, man. Yeah, but you know, Greg, adjusted for inflation, mm -hmm. this is the biggest hit of Clint Eastwood's career. Did you know that? <sighs> you texted me that last night and it upset me deeply. This is the first movie to earn over $10 million on its opening weekend. First movie ever. $10 million in 70s money. That's like maybe quadruple now. That's like a, seriously. That's Avengers money, man. <laughs> seriously. That's Avengers money on opening weekend. For this. For this garbage. It is one of the worst movies I have ever seen in my life. I just I don't feel as strongly as you do about it being the worst, but I just feel so meh about it. Like I don't I don't feel like I watched anything. You didn't. You did not. And that's fine. I got bored and started looking up trivia for the other movies that we had watched for this episode. And let me tell you, brother, I've got some bad news. There was no trivia for MVP on IMDb. I saw that and I was pretty upset. <laughs> I considered finally caving in to their annoying notifications and making an account just so I could submit that it's a better movie than Every Which Way But Loose as trivia. Um, there are two trivia items on Dunstan Checks In. One is that Jason Alexander did wear a toupee. Um... I didn't make note of the other one, but it was apparently not memorable. My question was, how is there not more trivia on these monkey movies? Are you telling me there were no interesting onset stories? What are you talking about? It's it's movies about primates like causing a little bit of havoc in like real world world scenarios. There's got to be stories about primates causing a little bit of havoc in the real world scenario of making a movie. Like, there's no way that they didn't just like knock over one of the lights or like climb up one of the set designers and just like steal food off the off the table or something mm -hmm. nothing 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 i want to point out a sad reality oh boy this movie turned 85 million dollars on a five million dollar budget in 70s money <sighs> and dunstan checks in lost money You see, that that really just tells you how big of a star Clint Eastwood was. Yes, I would I would say in his heyday, but like, when did, did his heyday like really stop? So, Gran Torino did pretty well. Yeah, exactly. Even his director, the movies he directs, also do very well. I know we like to rag on people who use The Office as a substitute for having a personality, but I definitely had a moment in this where. Do you remember when uh, Michael Scott has to fire the convict in that episode, the convict, and he's like, you didn't think Lazy Scranton was funny? And the character replies, that was supposed to be funny? <laughs> That's how I felt about classifying this movie as a comedy. Well, Denny, you're fired. <laughs> you can't fire me, I quit. Oh, man. Greg, do you have anything else to say about this fucking shitstorm really no 
like I, I guess bonus points for beating up spider enthused nazis but like i don't really have anything on it man man for two hours to give like so little substance it was just like a sequence of things happened i think the thing that stood out the most was uh the snobby college student get like clint eastwood just turns around and is like hey he sticks his hands out and the old guy behind him just knows that means I better hand him my dentures because he's going to do some funny stuff. <laughs> and he, he puts it in her chowder. Man. Which, first Ooh. of all, if you're, if you're ordering chowder in a bar in, like, <laughs> this type of environment, like, what are you really doing? Being a liberal snob, university-educated, coming into our country culture... For the sole purpose of judging us. Like, that was the other thing. It's just like, I'm here to judge how dumb you guys are. <laughs> like, oh. Yeah. Okay. What a straw man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like. I'm just glad we never saw that character again. Yeah, that was fine. She got out, and it was just like, we didn't need any of this. Anyways, <laughs> on the Nazis. Have... Would you have believed me if I told you? that adding a monkey to Roadhouse would make it more boring. <laughs> is that what we've done here? It's what someone did. Dude, is it like what a, Eastwood did. Is it like a thing where the 70s like this where just like if you go into a bar or restaurant as a guy and you just like exist, that's just cause for every other man within 30 feet that can see you to want to start a fight? Cuz like it's not his reputation, it's just like... He's not Dalton. <laughs> people see him and they're just... I want to fight that guy. And they just go up and like, You see this tattoo? I'm going to fight you. <laughs> <laughs> like, people just see this guy and they just want to fight him for absolutely no reason. Greg, what would, uh, what would your tattoos signify about your gang membership if you were to show someone one of them or several of them and say do you know what this means you ever uh, seen a tattoo like this it means i love my parents uh. <laughs> <laughs> i'm in the parent loving gang you know what we do we tell our moms if someone's mean to us and we ride and our then motorcycle. our dad gets mad and we ride our motorcycles <laughs> vroom vroom we're not a cool gang Ugh. But we do love our parents, which is cool. Man, I I want to say more because I feel like I've been a bummer this last, like, 30 minutes, but I just don't have much. I loved that Beverly D'Angelo had a shoot-all-monkeys-on-site policy. <laughs> <laughs> the orangutan came out of the truck, and she just fucking got out a gun. And <laughs> like, oh, hell no! <laughs> It's, it's one of the more appropriate reactions in the movie. Like, this is a wild animal that can hurt us. I have a gun. Man. Oh, you, you did... No... Go ahead. You, We're talking over each other like crazy. You had something earlier where you said something about if you want comedy, just make the monkey drive a vehicle. Did I? I can't remember what you said, but remember like the chase where 
Clint Eastwood is just for whatever reason chasing the two guys on the with his truck and they're on their motorcycles. They're just going through like, okay, it happened. I promise. But right. then like him and I was about to say Dunstan, him and Clyde jump on like a street sweeper vehicle and chase them with that. I think it's what was that? Okay, no, now is I'm it paving? Back. I is remember it, this. Is it paving the road? And then he like gives them the wheel. It's like of all the vehicles for your guaranteed funny joke, primate drives a vehicle. Like for that bit to land, you gave him this vehicle. Ugh. Ugh. A Zamboni speed, bright yellow piece of construction equipment, like. And then the bad guys like try to duck them by going into a car wash, and then are surprised that it's a oh. car wash. Yeah, like that was supposed to be like a big joke. Like, ah, they're getting hit with like the brushes and stuff. Like, they led the chase in there. They they went there. They started it. Like, we'll lose them in here. Dude. Also, why did Clint go through it? Why didn't he just go around? Like, oh, they went in there. I'm going to wait for them in the other side because they're going two miles an hour. This whole movie, I was like, will someone just make Star Wars and just establish the hero's journey so I don't have to sit through this meandering shit anymore? I want to watch more 70s comedies to like understand how this fits in in that context i i can't think of a lot like off the top of my head but i feel like there's just there's just got to be more yeah i mean most of my 70s movie knowledge is from horror and sci-fi and i love it like yeah. i'm not knocking the 70s by any means i i love old movies i'm crazy about them i like movies older than the 70s uh some of my favorite horror and sci-fi movies are from the 70s it was a great time uh I, but like I just, specifically I that, comedies, I want to see what this was up against. Like what what well, this is really bare knuckle boxing against in the box office. I know Ashton Kutcher was really really popular in that era because of that seventies show. Yeah, I finally got one of your references. Yeah, it was made in the seventies. That's right. And there was this just hilarious guy named fez that just has to be seen to believe he's just always always getting into situations man let me tell you ask your grandparents about this famous old sitcom Ugh. or ask your 30 year old podcast buddies <laughs> Ugh. we're technically uh, old enough to be grandparents aren't we i mean we don't even have kids so who's to speculate Denny, what's your favorite line from this movie? <sighs> there was one line I loved. Let me find it because I want to quote it correctly. Mine was, uh, you referenced it already, but it was when Clint said, I, I told you not to let him drink beer, except on Saturday nights. <laughs> that was great. That was really good. That was funny. Mine is, <laughs> hey, heifer, how's the slop? <laughs> <laughs> With like the gang rolls up to a diner for some reason. <laughs> um, I did want to say I made this existential note that I have vague memories of my grandma hiring a monkey performer for one of my dad's birthday parties when I was a kid. My family never talks about it. Am I the only one who remembers it? 
I feel like that would be a pretty special memory. Did I make it up? I need to ask them about this this weekend. And I forgot to ask them about it when I saw them. <laughs> I will never know if there was truly a monkey performer at one of my dad's birthday parties. Hey, man, you got plenty of time left. That's true. I hope no one dies. <sighs> Knock on wood. Well, we're done with that movie. Denny, what is our topic for next week? Hold on. I... We haven't done Critiker scores or our gimmick oh, of what's the best. You're right. I'm skipping two steps ahead. Please. Greg, what is what's your... your Critiker score for Every Which Way But Loose? Uh, let me take a look here. It is a 12 out of 40, which is a 3 out of 10. I rated mine 12 out of 50. Not bad. I don't bad. know what that is on the on an out of 10 scale. It's it's uh hold on it's like a 2.4 yeah you know keeping in mind that uh you get 10 points just for like knowing how to do audio (laughs) like yeah this is a 12 out of 10 this is one of my least favorite movies i've ever watched 12 out of 10 he says all right oh sorry fuck shit (laughs) very good yeah um I was hoping you would, and you did earlier, you caught on to the bit where I gave all of these movies the exact same score. Did and, you really? Yeah, I gave them all a 12 out of 40. Well, in true spirit of the show, I forgot about that bit by the time we did the third one. You so. caught on and then you forgot. I was these are the for, exact same for you? Yeah, you got 12. 12 ribs, just like us. MVP is not better than Every Which Way But Loose to you. Let me tell you, it was really hard to commit to this bit. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it goes... It, not to rehash it, but it goes down to a consistent tone. Every way but loose. It was kind of a boring tone, but it stayed relatively consistent. through the whole I'll give movie. it that. It was consistently boring. No. I'm not going to take that away from every which way but loose. Yeah. It consistently bored the living fuck out of me. All <laughs> two hours. All right, what's... Uh, Denny, do the gimmick. Greg, what's the best movie for when you want to see a monkey? Uh, Obviously. You gave them all equal scores. You can't even pick one. Obviously. You shot yourself in the foot. Most valuable primate. Why? Because... Oh, Jack is the main character. He does so many human things. He's the focal point of the film. He's great. He wears human clothes. He does so many more. He does a much bigger variety of things, including play a sport at a junior B level. All right. I'm going to go with Dunstan checks in. Hate to be a homer for my own pick because I have been. Is this the first time we haven't agreed? Yeah, I think so. Wow. But I'm not mad at your pick. I'm not mad at yours either. I yeah. wouldn't expect you to choose differently. Um, I'm going to go Dunstan Checks In because it was the only one that like actually qualifies as like an actual movie of like, why would you put this on film? I'm going to give that to Dunstan. I thought they did some cool stuff. They had lots, lots and lots and lots of monkey hijinks. I think for the other two... Um, you know, the monkey was irrelevant for large portions of the movie. I'm not wild about that. 
Um, if I could really choose, I would choose none of these and continue my research. Because <laughs> <laughs> none of them are great. I would find a, a fourth or fifth option for sure. I mean, it's gotta be King Kong or one of the Planet of the Apes or something way better than anything we covered today. Um, my official pick is none of these. I don't have a pick, but for the best movie you when you want to see a monkey, it's not one of these three. It's just not. Not there only are because better you don't see monkeys a monkey. out there. Not only because you don't see a monkey, but also because uh, they suck. So yeah. <laughs> we've done yep. it. We've done it. We said we it was going to be a bad it. episode, and we delivered. <laughs> this is our worst episode ever. The best part was Vanessa coming in and just ranting about semantics of Dunstan Jackson. <laughs> that was the best thing we did today. The physical laws broken flat out ignored by that movie <laughs> all right what's uh next week's topic we got we got a treat movies for when you've got a case of the gold blooms and the poll is finalized we put a facebook poll out for our third pick in this in this episode it went over pretty well we got 32 votes what came in third place what what came in third place what came in third place was earth girls are easy which up until earlier today, there was one vote for it, and it was me. That's right, I voted. And I voted for Earth Girls Are Easy, because more people need to know about a movie where Jeff Goldblum, Jim Carrey, and Damon Wayans play aliens who want to bang Gina Davis, complete with musical numbers. I think that we have chosen wrong for the next episode. This morning when I tweeted, or sorry, not tweeted, Facebooked, that there is still time to vote for Earth Girls Are Easy. It got two more votes. Woo. So I'm proud of all three of us who voted for Earth Girls Are Easy. What took uh, second place? Thor Ragnarok with 11 votes, mm -hmm. which I thought was the shoe-in. I was like, if we put this on the poll, it is winning. It's a great movie. There's a huge recency bias. It's relevant people loved it i loved it it's great i thought for sure if we put this on the poll this was the movie we're doing next week and i am surprised i expected it to win but what took first place jurassic park yeah 18 votes that's right. i think that it is probably the best out of these movies um it's one of the best movies we've done period without a doubt yeah i uh i don't think you can talk about jeff goldblum without talking about jurassic park and so when neither of us picked it although i love thor ragnarok and was actually looking forward to it and thought it would win i think the episode would have an asterisk if we didn't do jurassic park i think that i think this was the right choice yeah i gotta go i gotta go with the people it makes sense um yeah we already even talked about jurassic park in this episode so that all rules um yep. My pick for the episode was Independence Day, which honestly a pretty easy pick. I was kind of teetering between that and also picking Jurassic Park for myself. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, I felt like sticking with the 90s. Mm -hmm. Or, wait, that's in the 90s too? Whatever. It's gotta be. That's 90s. I, know. I, I, yeah. I picked it a few days after actual 4th of July, so I was like, you know what? In the spirit of things. Fair enough. You know, I've never seen Independence Day. I'm going to watch it for this episode. Really? It's one of those, like, it's not like an intentional never seen. It's more like a, 
definitely intend to see, but I just never got around to it. So I'm going to watch it for this episode, and I'm really excited about it. Very nice. An all-time Will Smith performance, too. Dude, I love me some Will Smith. He gets some flack from cinephiles, and I don't think he deserves it. Will Smith rules. Dude, he was hot in this time period for a reason. Boy, was he. He's hot in every time period. That guy's a looker. Um, my pick is or fuck, not Jurassic Park. I was looking at the poll. <laughs> um, my pick is The Fly, which is actually one of my favorite movies ever made that I've only seen once. It made that powerful of an impression upon me. Yeah. I only watched it one time before this episode, and I decided it was an all-timer for me. I've mentioned before that I am a slave to recency bias. It affects me. So I'm actually really excited to see, was I just wowed because it was new and it gave me that razzle-dazzle? Or is it actually an all-timer? I'm excited for next week. Awesome, man. Well, Greg, you want to plug the Twitter? Yes, I think we're all done here. Uh, catch us on social media. The Twitter account is at Movies for Win. Look for Movies for Win on Facebook as well. Denny just set up a page featuring the artwork from Joseph Kainrad that we mentioned at the top of the episode. We'll be posting polls just like this one where we'll uh, let the audience decide our third movie every once in a while, like you just heard. The audience has chosen Jurassic Park. Um, all 32 of them. Total uh, votes, including me. Did you vote? Yeah, I voted for uh, Ragnarok. Son of a bitch. There you go. <laughs> all 31 of them. <laughs> Listen, and, you know, we, we've talked about it before. We didn't expect more than 30 people to ever listen or even care about what we put on the episode. So I think 32 is a very good number. That's a big deal to me, honestly. Even, like, even... I'm, I'm kind of making fun of it, but that's a big deal to me. That means a lot that 31 people would give a shit enough about the weird stuff that we do in our free time to to vote in a poll that I posted on our Facebook group. That's really cool. Yeah, and then, yeah, it's, it's amazing. People care about the content we put out, and we're going to uh, make it worth their while with our discussion on that movie. A uh, movie that I'll, I'll speak for both of us. We both love very much. So yeah, I think we have 122 people already liking the page. That's freaking cool. That's mind-blowing, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at T3HJohnson. That's my same Critiker name uh, on Critiker. Find T3HJohnson to see my rankings ahead of the episodes. Uh, Denny is also on Critiker and Letterboxd. Yes. I am the Moose Man, and if you want to not follow Movies for Win on Twitter, you can just follow me, because all I ever do is retweet Movies for Win. Um, on Critiker and Letterboxd, I'm the Moose Man. I'm falling behind on my Letterboxd reviews, because I've been focusing my creative energies on this show. Um, but I've got a, I've got a diary. I'm going to update them, and we'll get there. That's we'll get right. there in due time. We'll get there together. All right. That about wraps it up for us. Denny? Hit us with a bit of a catchphrase, please. Oh, I will. I promise we will never do an episode this bad again. For Greg, the legwork Johnson. I'm Denny, the talent Taylor, and this is movies for when. We already told you when. I reached out to Alien Ant Farm about using movies as our outro song. You can't do that. That's copyright. I want.